Welcome back, MJ fan, to episode 11, day 11 of the Black Jackson Estate presents the 12 Days of Christmas special. We are, day 11 means it's Christmas Eve. It is Christmas Eve and up on the housetop, reindeer fall, out jumps good old Santa Claus. I think those are the lyrics. Um, We are moving we are right up on Christmas Day, and we hope that you guys are feeling the magic of Christmas, that if you're looking for a Christmas miracle, it's coming your way, or if you're just looking for some Christmas peace, we are praying that peace on you and your loved ones this holiday season. We are happy to be back for another episode of a very short vignette episode of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast, user two. How are you feeling? It's Christmas Eve. How you feeling? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a lot of badass hoes. She can't resist, y'all. She got to do it. She got to do it. So that does that mean that you are excited? You are present? You are ready for tomorrow? Yes, full of tidings and good cheer. Goodwill and peace toward men user 1.5 what about yourself how you're feeling about the holiday season are you kind of ready for it to be over it's kind of a lot the month of december is just it whooshes by how are you feeling at this point uh so you know i am excited tomorrow is christmas day and it's my grandma's birthday so it's always been a special day uh, in our family so i'm really excited to see family and to open gifts and sometimes the best part about gifting is actually the giving part and watching somebody's face so i have a 13 year old man child so i can't wait to see his face tomorrow when he opens up the gifts that i said i wasn't gonna get him but got him anyway yeah, he better be glad about those gifts because he really deserves that lump of coal and those Billy Jean shoes. But we're not even going to get into that. Day 11, MJ fam, we're talking about something super unappreciated, so overlooked, but we're going to give it some play right now and give it the respect it deserves. The Wiz, the primary cast of The Wiz, the supporting cast of The Wiz, which Michael Jackson was a part of the supporting cast. Those other players in that movie, we just want to take a moment to appreciate their artistry and life and shine some light on their contributions to the world of music and entertainment and how they fit into the story of The Wiz. First of all, we all know Michael Jackson was cast as the scarecrow in The Wiz, but do we know who they originally wanted to play this role? Do you guys know? I don't know. And I ha- I'm not looking at the notes to cheat. So I don't it's know. It's not it's not in there. So you can't. Oh, even great. Cheat. Yeah. I, was, I don't know. I have no idea. I was going to say JJ. That's that's it. They wanted Jimmy Wong. Not JJ Dynamite. <laughs> Very famously, JJ from the iconic Good Times, which Janet Jackson also was a cast member of as Penny. They wanted Jimmy Walker to play the Wiz. Do you think they got it right when they pushed Jimmy on out and brought Michael on in? What do you guys think? Yeah, Jimmy Walker was starting to get annoying around this time. Yeah, <laughs> and and really, was he going to sing and dance like Michael? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. I mean, at least Nipsey Russell was able to do a little shuffle and, and carry a tune. But He did a movie. I want to say it was one of those Sidney Portier, Bill Cosby flicks where they did that run of black exploitation joints. 
And Jimmy Walker was one of the main characters. I think he was a prize fighter. And he did a miserable job. And it was an all-black cast. He should have felt right at home because it wasn't unlike Good Time. But yeah, he was just miserable. Like, horrible, horrible acting on film. So TV was the best realm for him. I can only imagine how bad it would have been if he would have been on Broadway, but the movie would have been just as bad. I think I agree with that. I saw him in the movie Airplane and I was like, I didn't, it wasn't really for me. I think Good Times is his bag. And once that ended, I don't know where else he went from there. I don't really feel like the things he was in, like you just said, I don't think the things he appeared in after that were really hitting on anything. But so, yeah, I think that the the right move was made to sub out the idea of a Jimmy Walker for the idea of a young Michael Jackson. And as we know, um, The Wiz came out in 1978. It is a reimagining of the classic The Wizard of Oz, which came out in the, the movie in the 1930s. Michael Jackson played the role of the scarecrow. But in all honesty, he was not the biggest star in this movie at the time. He was kind of like, he was lower down on the list. He was not number one. And we want to kind of give some real respect to those folks who were also in this movie with him and certainly had um, the star power and wattage, even that Michael didn't have at this point in his career. When The Wiz premiered out in LA, um, I want you guys to just kind of guess who in the Jackson family went to the premiere with Michael for The Wiz? Who do you think showed up? Let's leave LaToya out. We know LaToya was all up in the mix during this time. So we know she was there. Who else? Who do you think use a 1.5 and use a 2? Dang, I was going to say LaToya because she stayed she there. on his hip. Uh, definitely, I think Janet for sure janet was there because janet liked to be in everything too but she just couldn't <laughs> that's when they were going to uh, studio 54 and they, they didn't have no business out. taking her little ass in. right <laughs> but somehow she got in didn't she grown she people couldn't get not. in but but baby janet got her ass in there um, um wasn't it Catherine, the other person mommy was there was joe there daddy was there joseph as I say, you know today the they had a premiere out in LA, and uh, <laughs> oh, gonna be you know, I gotta go to this show. I gotta, got the show out here tonight. <laughs> <My boy. laughs> who else? Who else? There's some more in there. Come on. Tito. I don't think Jermaine went. I think Jermaine, Jermaine did not go. He There's some more him. brothers who went, though. Who Tito went? went. Tito went. Jackie? Nope. Ooh, Jackie, my, oh, my hush. Maybe he, this is when he got run over. Uh, 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 uh. Marley. Marley. I can't I can't say her. Marlon yes, Marlon was there. Okay, y'all missing two people. Come on, give it to me. Reby? Yep. Reby. Janet was there. Reby Who else was there? Always. Randy? Oh, Randy. Randy. Oh God. Who took Randy? Randy. He was a baby. He had to go. Randy was, was not Randy no damn in nineteen seventy nine. How old was Randy in he was old enough to order lobster Just like in the hotel a room. <laughs> he had been he doing that. He can't be by himself. He got he got to have some super. How old was Michael? 21. Twenty Michael's 21. So Randy's like 19. He's just a baby. He's just a baby. Yeah. So it was really a family affair. That's a lot of the lot of the family showed up to support Michael, his first movie. Um also, I thought this was interesting. Michael and Diana Ross walked in and everybody was like, oh yeah, that's great. And they stood up for him. But when Lena Horn walked in the horn <laughs> the respect 
that erupted from the crowd. So that's what we want to talk about. We just want to talk a little bit about these other players who were phenomenal in the movie and certainly a part of Black music and entertainment history in a in a powerful way. So first off, we have the one and only Diana Ross. She is the boss. And I really want user two to take us through who Miss Diana Ross is and why she's so important and how she plays into the Wiz movie. Miss Diane Ross, born in Detroit, Michigan, was cast as Dorothy in The Wiz. After seeing the musical and finding out Barry was moving forward with production through his Motown imprint, Diane Ross auditioned for Barry and begged him for this role. Many people said Diane Ross was miscast in this role due to the age discrepancy in the original script and Miss Ross's age at the time of filming. However, how, how nobody... old was she at the time of filming? <laughs> what is the real number? It's a three in the front, though. I can tell you that. I know. I want to say what's this one? And I've learned that we must no. look inside. No, ma'am. I'm doing Diana. Okay, so Pete. <laughs> so Pete, so Pete, so Pete. I'm not doing Stephanie. Go ahead. I don't think this age discrepancy is actually this bad. Let's take a minute and unpack it now, okay? <laughs> so here's the quote. Here's the quote from I, IMDB. Original oh. director John Badham stepped down when he objected to 33-year-old Diana Ross. 33-year-old. Being, being cast as a teenage Dorothy. The character was changed to a 24-year-old kindergarten teacher, but by then, Sidney Lumet had already replaced Badham. So, if they would have kept it as a teenager, yes, this would have been ridiculous. It's still they, ridiculous as a twenty-four. It's still a bit ridiculous, only because you know the original Wizard of Oz exists. Other thoughts on that? A world full of love, <laughs> like yours, like mine. No, and that's what uh, Diana. Okay, like let me say this about Diana Ross. Diana Ross is an icon. Okay, icon, icon baby, icon baby. No, 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 no. Time an out. icon. I capital I a bedazzled I C O N yes. icon. Yes, she and is. She is an icon, and there are a plethora of songs that when they come on, because Diana Ross is on the track, you are gonna stop what you're doing and get do your little jig. I mean, you upside think you down. Ain't? You gonna do it. I, I, I mean, it. she is an icon. No shade to Miss Diana Ross, but. There is a such thing as miscasting. I can understand why Barry Gordy put her in that role. I'm sure they had a couple of conversations and he couldn't say no. However, I do believe wholeheartedly that Stephanie Mills would have made a huge impact as Dorothy uh, reprising her role from her Broadway uh, stint as Dorothy. I think she, it would have been more impactful. 
Well, let me say I, this. Let me say this. Time out. I don't want us to beat this dead horse. We, I think if you listen to the Black Jackson Estate podcast, you know that, A, we really want Miss Stephanie Mills to <laughs> respond to our messages. That's why I, on this our is show. my plight. That's but, but plight. B, we've been very explicit that we think she would have been better in the role as Dorothy. And not only do we think she would have been better, we feel like Diana Ross, at the age she was at and the place in her career, really should have stepped aside and uplifted a young Black talent. Um, who really did deserve this opportunity. Diana Ross was already an accomplished actress and um, celebrity, and she didn't really need this. It really felt greedy. So if if you've been listening to us, you know that's how we feel, and we think that she kind of paid for that sort of whatever in the reviews and how this did. If we would have just ejected her and put someone else in like a Stephanie Mills, the film may have done much, much better than it actually did. So we don't want to beat a dead horse, but we definitely have been clear about that fact. But go ahead, use a 1.5. With that being said, Diana Ross is an icon. That's all I have to say about it. Now, I will say she's chasing uh, an Academy Award because she didn't win the Academy Award for playing Lady Day and Lady Sings the Blues, which let me tell you, if you haven't seen Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross, not with uh, Andrea Day, but she also did a great, a great rendition of Lady Day in, what was the name of the movie on Hulu? I can't remember y'all. I think it's called Billy. Is, is it Billy versus the US or something like that? Something uh, like that. It's good though. Yeah, it's, it it's, she's, Andrea Day is amazing, but, but the original. And she's so beautiful. Andrea Day is Andrea Day is gorgeous. Yeah. She's gorgeous and, and it feels so authentic. But if you haven't seen Lady Scenes of Blues with Diana Ross, please go watch it over the holiday break because she does a phenomenal job. My favorite scene is when she fighting with, um, with that fine, um, Billy D. Williams in the bathroom for the heroin. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all seen it. So I think she was chasing an Academy Award because she was she didn't get it that year. She was nominated, but she didn't win. And I think she was trying to do anything to get that award. This wasn't it. This wasn't it. But she is an icon, and I can respect her for trying to dance and keep up with Michael because dancing's not her bag either. So I can respect that. She talks about how difficult it was kind of to keep up with Michael. And and I think Michael talks about how he didn't want to embarrass anybody, but you know, him being so more advanced sometimes maybe made the others feel a little uh, shy about their abilities, but she's, she is an icon. She is a Supreme. She is, so she's already got hits before this. She's got hits in theater in, in film before this. Um, and this comes in at a time when honestly, she already established herself. Like you said, she was chasing the ultimate prize, which she just unfortunately did not give or, or maybe deservingly did not get. But anyway, Diana Ross, an A-lister of A-listers on this movie certainly is someone who everyone took notice of in her being in this movie. Absolutely. And let me, let me ask y'all this. Have y'all ever, I just thinking have you ever tried to like you having a conversation with somebody and you trying to dumb yourself down so that they don't think that you think you better than them have you ever done it like can you imagine michael trying to not dance so well because he doesn't want to embarrass anybody so like he basically is just like dumbing himself down dance wise to make sure he doesn't embarrass people i'm sure that was difficult because it's really hard in conversation to do that i can't imagine like this God-given talent, like his feet just move and he's like, oh, I don't want to upset people. 
Yeah, he probably not. was very unsuccessful because think about what that looks like for Michael Jackson to act like he doesn't already know the routine. He probably still knows the routine. Yeah, yeah, that I definitely get what Use One Point Five is saying. When it's like when you can do something really well and you're trying to help somebody else get up to an acceptable level, you're like, "Oh, that's good. You're doing good. You're doing great. You're doing great." But yeah, that had to be your mind. You like this. <laughs> That'd be frustrating. But on the, on the other hand, she had the experience in acting that Michael didn't have at that point. So she could also lend a hand to him on that tip in a way that he could not give to her. And so, you know, it was it was it was a, a quid pro quo. You do a little for me and I'll, I'll do a little for you, too, baby. And then that's how they worked it out here at the Wiz. We're moving on to number two on our list of Wiz stars that are not talked about enough. Um, unlike Michael Jackson, who gets all the praise, Nipsey Russell. And not like, to be confused with Nipsey Hustle. Not Please to be confused. Grow up. But Nipsey Hustle, that's who that's who that's where his name is inspired from. So if you think Nipsey Hustle just had that stage name and it was a hundred percent authentic and creative, it is not. It is based off of the iconic uh what who what was called yeah Yeah. he was called the poet laureate of television he was a comedian he was an actor he was a stage actor he was a well i don't know know if he was a stage actor he was definitely a film actor he was the tin man in the whiz and if you've ever have have any of you ever seen some of his uh acts on different shows and things that he was a part of yeah I mean, Nipsey Russell was just one of those guys who had it all and was definitely a triple threat, singing, dancing, acting, uh, phenomenal display of talent, legend. Yeah, definitely a legend. I, I think about the heart that he brought to that role and, and how, like, I can't think of anybody who would have been so authentic. He almost seems like you could feel the vulnerability that he was lending to that character. Um, and, and it's he's just does such a great job. I mean, my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes of the whole film is when they're in that park and, you know, with Teeny and he's like uh, singing. <laughs> and he's singing, what, what would I do if I could feel? Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. so heartfelt and it's just you you can feel it like coming through the screen the sincerity coming from him he was incredible in this role I don't know if they had somebody else that they were gonna cast they did a good job because this is nobody else could have played this role the way that he did I agree I think he did a phenomenal job born Julius Russell in September of 1918 he passed away in 2005 um lived a very long life I didn't know he was he was born that that long ago he was born in Atlanta Georgia and he really he really was funny like uh, he ended up at one point in his career being on the Conan O'Brien show like that was a big part of his career uh I think what I really enjoyed is what user 1.5 was talking about the idea of this comedian then taking on this very dramatic these dramatic moments inside of a role very convincingly which some comedians today if you think about it uh like I'm a real big fan of Kevin Hart, but he just doesn't do drama well. I think that's such a hard thing for some comedians to do. But back in the day, they really could 
put on another hat or another set of shoes and do it in a way that convinced you of it. Um, and I think he was great at that. He wasn't just funny. He also could give you something serious that you believed him when he gave it to you. And that moment in the whiz when he's singing with the girls and he's crying about Tina and all this other stuff, he really kind of sold it in a way that I don't think anyone else could have really done. And then on top of that, who said he was a triple threat? Was that user two? Yes. User two said he's a triple threat. You saw him out there tapping because back in the day, Black entertainers had to do it all. You had to know how to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, Nipsey Russell came off of the vaudeville circuit. Mm-hmm. So he literally probably had been blackface at some point in his early career. So he rose out of that era of performers who really started on a chitlin circuit, had to grind their way up through Hollywood, through very untraditional networks. And um, he, he really is a legend real legend a triple threat probably a quadruple threat probably had like 10 more hidden talents he could have pulled out just based on what user two is talking about being on those vaudeville and chitlin circuits these entertainers did it all they learned it all they really were the consummate performer where they could do a little of everything well um so shout out to nipsey russell playing the tin man in the whiz we're moving on into our third certainly not under appreciated in the context of American entertainment. Richard Pryor, who played the, the Wiz on the Wiz, he was the wizard of Oz. He's the guy behind the curtain born Richard Franklin Lennox Thomas Pryor in 1940. He did pass away in 2005. He was born in Peoria, Illinois. He grew up. I didn't know this. Did you you guys know this? That he grew up in a brothel that was run by his grandmother and where his mother worked as a prostitute. And his father apparently was also a pimp. Did you guys know yeah. that? Yeah, he talks about that a lot in his. There's a documentary. I want to say it's on Amazon Prime, but I could be wrong about um, Richard Pryor. He talks about his life. So it's clips of him talking about his life. And he really talked about how that messed him up. And that's how he became a comedian because, you know, he was like, I'm not going to let these kids make fun of me because my mom was a whore. I'm just going to make fun of myself. So that's kind of how his comedic gene started. But yeah, he's he's a legend, too. He also made it a part of his bits. So if you watch old Richard Pryor specials, if you listen to the records before he started actually filming his specials, he talks about that part of his life. And that's part of the reason why he's a comedy legend, because he was so transparent. So it's not hard to find those facts about Richard Pryor's life, because at some point he definitely rose to himself. Yeah. Now he was really good at making fun of himself and making it funny. Like, you know, just not taking himself too seriously. I always think about the bit when he talks about how he lit himself on fire and he was running down the driveway. If you haven't seen Richard Pryor, any of his stand up, go watch some. Go watch some because it's great. Yeah, absolutely. He's an icon in American entertainment and probably internationally as well, undoubtedly internationally as well. What, um, if you just look at the albums he's come out with in his life, he came out with in his lifetime, the films he did, I mean, it's so many. The television that he was on, he really has just a phenomenal career. I want to talk a little bit about from the users. What are some of your favorite Richard Pryor 
works, movies, albums, whatever. What are some of your favorite things that you have seen in your life from Richard Pryor? Because he's got so much stuff. I love Harlem Nights and the way yeah, that's that easy. he, yeah. yeah, the way he interacts with everybody in that film is just brilliant. Shout out to Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy for making that happen. Yeah, he plays Sugar Ray in Harlem Nights, a movie by Eddie Murphy that came out in 1989. That kind of tells you how good he was. He's still giving it to you in the 80s, and he's been around for decades at this point. Using 1.5, what are some of your favorite Richard Pryor moments, whether it be a movie or stand-up or his appearance on a television show? Uh, so definitely his last uh, stand-up that he did was funny. I think it was called Richard Pryor Live, but I can't, I don't, don't kill me, y'all. I can't remember the name of that one. Um, but that was after, you know, he, like I said earlier, lit himself on fire and, and you know, doing drugs at the house. Um, he talks about that very candidly. I, I like Richard Pryor when he's paired with Gene Wilder. I think the two of them together were Absolutely. the perfect comedy pair. So like Stir Crazy is a great movie. See No Evil, Hear No Evil is a great movie. There's so many um, good Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movies and they play off of each other well. So I think th that's my favorite when he's paired with Gene because they were almost like you know straight and then the funny man but they were both funny so it, it was it's really good combination yeah I think I can agree with that I'm a big fan of busting loose with Cicely Tyson that was probably one of the first movies I saw saw of Richard Pryor and I laughed uh the scene where they encounter the clan um that's just a funny movie to me. It's just one that kind of sticks out in my, my brain. Definitely Stir Crazy is another one. Brewster's Millions is another one that I think is, is really good from him. He has so many. I recently, like this year, saw the Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings from 1976. Anybody else seen that one? I have not. No? Yeah, that's a good one. It's actually on like Tubi. It's somewhere free. That's how I ended up seeing it. Um, So he just has so many hits again and accomplished by the time he gets to the whiz he's already accomplished in this field as a comedian and an actor and so again I think sometimes we harp on Michael and how he did but he's really not the most you know whatever he's the newcomer kind of in the in the in this mix um of course undoubtedly Richard Pryor lived a long life and a life full of ups and downs and some controversies uh, some of the highlights he was awarded the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2006 which was after he passed away certainly deserving of that um, what I didn't know about him he was really active in animal rights and he got the PETA Humanitarian Award in 1999 he very famously dated Pam Greer loved women apparently he was married seven times to five different women um user two i know you have more context on some of richard Pryor's full life what what would you have to add to that i think the big thing i would add is it's important to remember that richard Pryor and diana ross had already shared the screen and lady sings the blues and richard Pryor's character was supposed to only be in one scene originally but because of his chemistry with miss ross they extended his role and he well, pretty much co-starred with Diana Ross alongside Billy D. Williams. He's probably in 75% of that film. So um, their chemistry kind of travels over into this moment. Um, one of the controversies that I always thought there's a little bit of tea 
that I've always tried to figure out. And I'll leave this with the listeners. If you read Moonwalk, Michael talks about one of the members, one of the cast members being really mean to him and making really mean jokes constantly. And Michael couldn't figure out why. And then he realized the guy was really unhappy with himself. I always assumed it was Richard Pryor. Could be completely wrong, but I encourage y'all to read that little snippet when Michael talks about his experience on The Wiz and make your own deductions based off the timeline of Richard Pryor's life at that point. Yeah, and I just want to add, we can't forget that Richard Pryor famously hosted the Motown 25 special. So uh, he his relationship with Barry Gordy extended past uh, the whiz um, into this into this primetime special. And I will say, I think most of Lady Sings the Blues, if I'm not mistaken, I think Richard Pryor and maybe Diana Ross has said it as well. A lot of their scenes together were improv. They weren't scripted. They just kind of talked, uh, were talking to each other, playing off of each other, which is that chemistry that user two was talking about. Absolutely. And he's just, he is a, he's an, he's, he's another what, uh, someone said earlier, Icon, he definitely fits the bill for that. And he has shown that through, he showed that through his career, throughout his career, up until the time of his death. Even now, he is an inspiration to so many entertainers, artists, comedians, because of the work he did. So his contributions to The Wiz, I don't think can be underscored. He did a great job of playing a very unsure and, <laughs> you know, fraudulent sort of scammer who knew he was a fraud, you know, in the Wiz. Uh, and uh, I think that without him in that role, it would have been missing something that only he could have given. We're moving on to the next unsung hero of the Wiz, uh, which Michael Jackson starred in um, in 1978, Ted Ross, who played the cowardly lion in the Wiz. Ted Ross was born in June of 1934. He did pass away in 2002. He also played the lion in the Broadway production of The Wiz and won a Tony Award for his role in that in that production. He appeared in many sitcoms throughout his life, from Benson to The Jeffersons, What's Happening Now, and The Cosby Show, and also A Different World. I believe he played the dean in A Different World for a period of time. He before did. We... He was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And he appeared in so many Broadway sh shows, Raisin in the Sun, Curly, uh, what is that? That I feel like that's an important one, but I don't know what it is. Um, he also starred in the Bingo Long Traveling All Stars and Motor King, that movie that also Richard Pryor was in in 1976. So another pair that have worked together before. And sometimes I think we, like user 1.5 was saying, we forget the synergies that come from having worked with people before. And a lot of these folks have actually worked together before. So that helps make the film or those interactions more authentic. And it brings out, I think, a better a better performance from these folks. So he also was in that. Uh, he played the role of a crooked baseball club owner. Um, Billy Dee Williams was in that movie too, along with uh, James Earl Jones. He also played in Police Academy, Amityville 2, Arthur and the Fishing King. Ted Ross, probably one of the lesser known individuals in The Wiz, but certainly a a a star on Broadway in that film as well what do you guys think about Ted Ross his performance in this do you think he gave the best supporting performance to Diana Ross or do you think that it that that 
honor belongs to someone else. Yeah, I think he does. I think Ted Ross carries a lot of this film with his wit and humor. And again, he won Tony for the Broadway production. So a lot was riding on him kind of being the glue of the transition of this piece from Broadway onto the musical. Stephanie's not there. um, And he did a really great job of kind of maintaining that authenticity because if you know anything about the Wiz musical versus uh, the film, the soundtracks are completely different. One is created by Quincy Jones and the other one isn't. So um, Ted Ross was able to make that transition from uh, the songs that are standards there and being able to support those and then adding in some new stuff too. So he is the glue of this film and very much appreciate it. Another legend. Absolutely. He is definitely a legend. Ted Ross, really, from the time he appears on the screen, which uh, is actually his eyes, right, in inside the lion on the, on the steps of the, it looks like a courthouse. I don't even know what that building is. But from the time you see his eyes moving, looking at everybody until the time he jumps out and, and breaks out in song, basically, about how he's a mean old lion. He just commands like he has this commanding presence within in in, within the movie. And you can tell that the cast really appreciated him being on this film. And one of my favorite lines uh, in the whole movie is when he says that his mama named him Fleetwood Coop DeVille because she had high ideas. So, I mean, he just is so funny and it's such a great He's such a great contrast to the Scarecrow and the Tin Man, who presumably would be a little more fragile, but he's actually the the big scaredy cat. So, I mean, it, it, he, he does a really good job playing that role. Um, he's the closest to, in The Wizard of Oz, the original lion, Bert Lahr, who played the lion. He's closest in mannerisms to that character. And so I think that's why people appreciate the lion's character so much in the whiz because it it does remind you of the original movie more so than any of the other characters ed ross studied i think is what you're saying he really studied the role he was going to be playing and he had so much experience already playing it having played it in on broadway and i really enjoy theater actors who make their way into the you know onto film because they just have a different range of abilities I think because they perform on the spot if you're in a film and you mess up they can stop it and redo it if you're on the on the Broadway show and you mess up you better improvise so we don't know absolutely they have a different skill set that is I think you know it used to be that people didn't feel that people in film were real actors they were like you just kind of whatever it's the people on the stage they are the real deal McCoy and you can kind of see that coming out in a Ted Ross character he did phenomenal that suit he wore that lion outfit like it did not weigh anything and I bet it was heavy with that nappy fur it was nappy too it was matted Mm -hmm. it was matted fur matted 
And I will say, playing off of, you know, what you said about film, um, stage actors versus film actors, a stage actor is playing to the people in the front row and to the people all the way at the in, in the balcony at the cheap seats. And so a lot of times their movements are over-exaggerated or a little more... Uh, over the top, you can definitely tell that Ted Ross is a is a stage actor because his movements are a little more exaggerated. But for this part, is perfect. For this part, he's perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He absolutely did his thing. Certainly unsung, but we want to give him his flowers even now on this podcast. We're moving on to our next. She's not unsung, y'all. I'm gonna go ahead and let you know. She is not unsung. The I've been godmother. waiting on her. I've been waiting on her to come on up. Come she on now. is the godmother of song, the one and only Miss Lena Mary Calhoun, better known as the Horn. Miss Lena Horn, born yes. June 30th, 1917. She passed away in 2010, a phenomenal and noted actress, singer, dancer, famous chorus girl at the Cotton Club in harlem new york also not to be underscored a civil rights activist she also played glinda in the wiz user glinda two. the good the talk good. to us about miss lena horn lena horn legend plays glinda the good witch in the film the wiz and this comes after a pretty lengthy hiatus lena horn stars in a phenomenal slate of films run out of the MGM camp and then somewhere around the 60s slams into a wall um, and this this is not literally this is figuratively slams into a wall and gets blacklisted and a lot of this is because of her political activism and being labeled as a communist and a sympathizer with the Soviet Union so Lena Horne was essentially banned from uh, film and was forced back onto the theater circuit where she continued to perform for years until she took a bit of an extended break and then kind of revitalized her career. So she writes her autobiography sometime in the late 60s, goes on a bit of a run there, uh, takes an extended break, comes back in the late 70s um, to restart her career and uh, joining the cast of the Wiz film is one of the ways that she does this. Her daughter, coincidentally, was married to the director, Sidney Lumet. And unfortunately, a divorce happens that I had no idea about. So user 1 and 1.5 told me about the divorce that was happening simultaneously on this set, which sounds chaotic. So she's showing up to set her soon-to-be ex-son-in-law is directing her he gave her a slot in this film now originally she wanted a different character i believe she wanted the aunt auntie m character uh but at that point it was already sewed up with mabel king and so um they moved on to uh, put her in the Glinda position and she said that's fine she wasn't going to argue and she appreciated the benefits of nepotism and she rocked out her little role and uh, just hoped that everybody would appreciate her because she didn't feel like that modern generation at the time knew who she was and so um, she is one of the the very important bridges from the past and a older guard if you will on this cast extending into a newer generation with performers that are younger like Michael Jackson and so um, you've got Nipsey Russell 
and Lena Horne who have this vaudeville background, grind it up from the bottom. Uh, you got Diana Ross who had the benefit of this steel town attitude and growing up uh, after the great migration and, and uh, right in the middle of the civil rights movement. She inherits a lot of the benefits of some of the things Lena Horne had to suffer through. And so uh, getting both of them in this film to very famous American divas um, who are phenomenal performers, another triple threat. And she didn't see herself as much of a singer, but she was uh, phenomenal. And how are you going to argue with stormy weather? So, yeah, legend. Don't know why there's no sun up in the sky. Stormy, stormy weather. weather. Has Anita Baker ever sang Stormy Weather? Because I bet she would tear that. Oh yes, that That just came. I love that's a good song. That's a good song. I love that. Lena Horne is just first of all, her talent. Her so her beauty can't be divorced from her talent. She wasn't the best jazz singer or whatever of her day, but when you add it to that her presence and it's not just her face i mean her presence she really had a presence when she performed she is she it it elevates her it elevates her in a way that other people didn't have the same presence Mm. and i'm not even talking about their face now i'm just talking about your presence they didn't have the same that when even look at how she performs that role in the whiz at the end when she's doing her song her number when she's doing um what's the name of the song home (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a home repress uh click when she's doing click your heels right look at like her presence they got her pinned up with the babies around but her presence in this number and the power she hanging from the ceiling child listen she i like, loved every she minute did the way she was such a phenomenal until the day she died a phenomenal presence I talk about her Gap commercial, which she did in the 90s. Her presence, she's sitting on a stool singing Sleigh Bells Ring. Are you listening? And I, and her presence, it's just the power behind the way she executed. Amazing. An amazing uh, performer and entertainer. And yes, her daughter decided to serve the man she was working for at this moment with divorce papers during this during the shooting of this film, I know that had to be awkward. Um, and some people credit that with how the film turned out to be much darker than it should have been because he was in a bad headspace and it came out in the actual filming of The Wiz. Well, look, she was already cast and her check was probably already cashed. Listen, so. man, I done cashed my check, so Listen, I don't know what y'all got going on. Now, but it is, he, what it is. Whatever he was feeling the day they did that scene with the trash cans where Scarecrow's arm gets stuck in the trash can, he almost gets eaten alive. They should have came in that day. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like that scene. Yeah. It was a little scary. It was a little scary. But Lena Horne, absolutely an icon. She probably was probably the most uh, famous person in this movie. I know user two was talking about how she felt maybe she wasn't going to be received to by a younger audience, but I think she's one of the brightest spots of the Wiz and her being that Glinda, the good witch. We're moving into the last unsung actor, actress of the Wiz series. Aside from Michael Jackson, we had Mabel King. Mabel King 
was born in Charleston, South Carolina, December 25th. So she's got a birthday coming up. December 25th of 1932, she passed away in 1999. Although born in Charleston, she was raised in Harlem, New York. She was a singer, an actress, um, a stage actress, and a television actress. She didn't start acting, I don't know if you guys know this, until her mid-30s. So never give up on your dreams. You're not too old. And so her mid-30s, and that was in 1966, she played the role of Maria in Porgy and Bess, which was a huge production. She played Eveline in The Wiz, and I bet you guys also know she played Raj's mama, Raj and Dee, mm-hmm. in the very famous What's Happening sitcom that aired from 19. 19- 76 she was to always thinking one of them she was threatening to whoop somebody <laughs> she was always telling somebody to go get the bed i love it, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> and this is back in the day when they just use your regular name she was mabel thomas instead yeah. of mabel king <laughs> <laughs> just like, in case y'all were wondering they they didn't want nobody to get confused so yeah, they just went on confused. ahead and used her regular name mabel king it has my favorite song in the whole movie and that is don't nobody bring me no bad news. My favorite song in the entire film, when I wake up in the afternoon, which it pleases me to do. Mm, that's a word. Don't nobody, don't nobody bring me no mm, bad news. But don't tell me nothing terrible now. I just Because I wake up already negative mm-hmm. and I'm lighting up my fuse. This so, is using 1.5's anthem. I love that song. That's my jam. And she then Grinch. It, it, it makes sense. The greatest thing, though, seriously, about this song is it gives you the gospel vibes that you need in the middle of this film. It's so gospel with the choir in the background and everything. It, it it's it it's perfect. And yeah, I would she, like to say I don't know what Mary J was doing in that live production, but we're gonna give her a pass on it because it's. Mary and we J. we really just didn't need that. We just didn't need it. <laughs> I don't even know why they decided to do that. Um, I wanna make a correction because i previously confused mabel king with Teresa merritt who plays on m and i i do that all the time because i am obviously racist and cannot they tell two favor, black women apart but they, they really do look they alike they do look them up, y'all. They when i was favor. little i thought they were the same person i did so. too i thought mabel king had was like doing a, a dual role type of a thing and trying to show like polarity but no that was not it at all miss Teresa merritt plays on m she sings my favorite song in the film don't lose the feeling i love that song but mabel king owns eveline to the point where you're actually Ooh. scared of eveline yeah and those, owns oh it. my yeah. god those monkeys they were so ugly but <laughs> no, yes, what's, yes, what's yes, your favorite part monkey. when the monkeys came in and they said what's happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah the monkeys was a little too much uh, i like when she got flushed when she got flushed in that toilet that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a big toilet let me tell you that much thing about the flush yeah. Who's this, who said, yeah, we're going to make a big-ass toilet? Sydney, he was the yeah. first. His marriage was His life was toilet. in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> because seriously, was it like, I will, I need to go Google what the set looked like on Broadway, but the toilet concept is just, wow, she's sitting on this golden throne. If you've never noticed this, the entire film, she's sitting on a, the throne, and the throne is the throne it's the toilet seat it's the throne <laughs> and they really the knock their ass inside of it and close the lid it's wild it's kind of crazy she sydney she, she owned that part 
Yeah, you got to. She did. <laughs> oh, she she like, fell she butt was... first and the feet went straight up in the air and everything. It was super dramatic. But she was oh, so yeah. disgusting. She owned that idea of Eveline and mm-hmm. ever made her sister a saint. She said she was a saint. You know? <laughs> a saint she was. <laughs> but she really owned that role. She's such a sweet. If you look at her on what's happening, sweet mama. And then you look at the faces that the contortion she did of her face and body to embody Eveline is just amazing. It kind of speaks to her talent to be able to play these roles both very convincingly. She is a mama for sure. Like she's a big mama and you see that come out and what's happening. And then you, she does this role and you're like, man, you, you mean you evil for real. She just did food for the soul. That's what she said. Suffering smooth for the soul. She did a phenomenal job yes. in The she Wiz. Did. She, if there's a powerhouse voice in The Wiz, it belongs to Mabel King. She gave the movie, like you said, a sound that it don't have. Nobody else has it. She's the only one who has this sound and she gave it to us in The Wiz. I don't know if you guys knew this, that her costume was made of chopped up dog toys and salami. <laughs> it definitely that sounds me, right but i did not peep the dog toys yeah, i thought it was right. all supposed to be like stuff from a landfill like recycled goods that was michael yeah michael was trash that's michael true. was nasty yeah he was yeah trash. that's why he was pulling trashy. out them bits of paper <laughs> yeah and i just want to say like i know mabel king was the last person on our list but i want to give an honorable mention to Miss Thelma Carpenter who played Miss One because let me tell you without her in the beginning of the film when Dorothy lands in Oz I think she really sets the tone for the rest of the film and so I just wanted to give an honorable mention to her she was a an actress and a jazz singer she was born um, in 1917 and she was discovered by the same executive who discovered Billie Holiday and Count Basie she passed away in in 1997 at the age of 77 but she was just so great uh, as Miss One with all those little munchkin children graffiti in Munchkin Land, she wanted to know who wanted to play some numbers. She had a number special, two for one. Had a two for one. Yeah, she an, another unsung, an unsung individual that also participated in the Wiz, and to just cap Mabel King, um, she really had kind of a sad ending to her life. She ended up uh, the work kind of ended up slowing down significantly as time went on in the eighties. And she ended up losing both of her legs and an arm to diabetes. And this part, I didn't know, but I found out a while ago when I was just like on YouTube looking at videos, Michael Jackson actually found out that she was struggling and in need of help in the late 80s. And he stepped in financially to make sure that she was taken care of um, in her last days. So she ended up passing away in 1999, but Michael Jackson ended up being pivotal in stepping in to make sure that the things she needed as she was suffering from all the illnesses and the effects of that, that she was okay. And I thought that really said something because I also saw somewhere where she was very proud of the work she did and having worked with Michael, she spoke really highly of him. 
And so it was kind of cool to see he did have that heart. He didn't forget about the folks that embraced him and helped him and worked with him and that he worked with even years and years before. So I thought that was a really kind of touching story. Um, And unfortunately, kind of a really sad end to her life in that, you know, she ended up losing so many limbs to, to a disease. But a phenomenal actress and songstress who, again, The Wiz, the movie would not have been the same had she not been in it. Any parting thoughts from the users? The Wiz, I know they they call it a flop um, as far as box office ratings go, but it is such a cult favorite in the Black community. It is one of my favorite films ever of all time. The soundtrack I have the two record soundtrack of this film and I just think that if you're a Michael Jackson fan and you haven't watched this you need to because it is one of the best examples of Michael Jackson as an actor that you're gonna see and there you have it that is day 11 of the Black Jackson Estates 12 days of Christmas special we hope you're you're sticking around for our Christmas day cap of all of this we really love Uh, having spent this time with the MJ fam this holiday season. So tune in tomorrow for the end of our 12 days of Christmas special. We'll see you then. If we know ourselves, we're always home anywhere. If you believe within your heart, you know. That no one can change the path that you must go. Believe what you feel and know you're right because the time.